0: and welcome to the history hotline the hottest line for all things black history and beyond hello everyone and welcome to the history hotline my name is diana lynn cook and this is episode 57 an episode following on from the last following on in our little christmas food tradition segment of this year As I said, I wanted a little break from the kind of heavy violent racisms and all of those kind of racial tension moments in history that we normally talk about, Um, and so I thought we'd look at some food histories. So, as you can tell from the title, today's episode is about a drink called sorrel. Now, you might not recognise it as sorrel, and you might have actually had this drink before, but sorrel is the Jamaican name given to this drink, Um, and so maybe in Britain it's mostly known as sorrel by people that drink it here. However, it has many other names as well. Roselle juice is one, or bisap, which is more common in um, African countries. Um, It's essentially a drink made of flowers from the roselle plant, hence the name roselle juice, which is a variety of hibiscus. Um, And hibiscus, I've seen it and it's become more popular. In the last, like, I'd say five, ten years or so. I think even at Starbucks you can get, like, a hibiscus drink, a hibiscus tea. And I, for the longest time, didn't know it was just sorrel. um, Which is what we, um, you know, as Jamaicans call it. Um, But it's also a drink that's drunk in just so many other countries. And I'm going to name some of the other countries it is um, had in and enjoyed in. And it's not always enjoyed at Christmas time. Whereas in Jamaica it always... It's not always enjoyed at Christmas time. But the tradition is that you have it at Christmas. You might also have it at other times of the year. But definitely at Christmas. Um, so in Gambia it's called Wonjo. In Cameroon. And excuse my French because it's terrible. It's called Falere. I think. That might be the pronunciation. That might not. Nigeria it's called Zobo. Ghana, Sobolo. Uh, Senegal they tend to call it Bisap. Uh, which I mentioned before. Um, and Mali call it Dabellini. I think, probably pronounced that wrong as well, um, or Dabeleni, um, and Mexicans drink it too, and funnily enough, whilst it's called Sorrel in Jamaica, and also the, the wider Caribbean as well, I will say, in Mexico, they actually call it Agua de Jamaica, which is like water of Jamaica, which I just find hilarious, because... The fact that it's travelled to these countries, but, like, I don't know, Jamaica still retains some kind of cultural hold over it, Um, and it's literally in the name in Mexico. Um, I'm assuming, though obviously we know that the movement of people of enslaved africans from predominantly west africa to the caribbean means that most traditions tend to come from west africa that then end up in the caribbean and also in african-american traditions where it is also very popular and there it's called red drink now i always thought red drink was kool-aid which is like some powdered sugary concoction that you just drink and it's really nice but really really sweet whereas this hibiscus that makes sorrel and all the other names um is probably has more health benefits it definitely has more health benefits than kool-aid um, but in my research i also found that it's also um enjoyed in america as well in african-american culture it's called red drink and african-american food historian adrian miller in an article i read about the drink called it liquid soul. Um, And to African-Americans, it is is that important, which is very interesting. And it's a guest like Pepper Pot um, that we learned about last week that travelled to America through enslaved peoples from the Caribbean and the indigenous population there. Um, And it's just no different with these... um, recipes and traditions that we're seeing, they have travelled around populations um, of African people and have ended up kind of predominant in different cultures, which is very, very interesting. Now, as the episode is called Sorrel, um, or I might call it Sorrel slash Bisap, I haven't actually decided at the point of recording. But as I am coming from the perspective of a Jamaican and my introduction to this sensational drink is from Jamaica, I'm going to be giving you the Jamaican version. Now, that's not to say you can't go and find um, the version that appeals to you. Maybe you liked one of the words or the names um, and you think you're going to research their recipe or you're from one of those places and you're thinking this isn't how you make it. Um, We make it better. I'm telling you now you don't. That's number one. And number two, when it comes down to food, it's all gonna be dependent on the chef um, and how your family recipes or the area, smaller area inside of a country of, you know, that part of town or the village that you came from, you know, you're gonna follow those traditions. So don't fight me if this isn't the way you make it. Um, and I know there are some significant differences, I think, from what I've had a look at so far in how it's kind of um, consumed and made for consumption. Um and so let's get into it. So Roselle is um, a type of hibiscus uh, plant essentially um, and it's a species of a, fl- a flowering plant um, in that kind of hibiscus family. Now it's native to Africa, most likely West Africa um, and it was in the 16th and early 17th centuries that it spread to the West Indies and Asia um, and has now become naturalised in many different places. I didn't actually realise it it also went to Asia as well and I'm sure they drink it in a different way um to the kind of countries I mentioned before I think tea is probably what they do with the plant um essentially the stems of this plant are not what are not what's used um they're used actually um, for this production of this like material, this type of fiber, um, but the dried flowers, the kind of cover, is used for the drink, whether that be a tea or the kind of Christmas drink that we're thinking about today. So it's the outer covering um, of the capsule that they're not cooked necessarily; they're boiled. Um, And then they're extracted, the actual liquid is extracted from this kind of, it looks like a flower and when they're, they're sold, they tend to be sold dry. When I've seen it in Jamaica, I've seen it as the actual like plant that is, you know, got body to it and everything but in england it's normally i think in jamaica or in the caribbean and probably in africa as well they um dry it down and then they send they ship it and it's exported as a dried good and so then when you get it if you get it in england for example you then have to um really boil it out not for too long i don't think you're boiling it depending on how big your pot is actually i've seen my kitchen turned into a sorrel processing factory many a year um and yeah the big pot comes out and it's like boiling for I think I don't think more than an hour or so but you have to then leave it you leave that boiled down liquid um to kind of let all the leaves steep in um and to let the flavour come out essentially and to let it infuse in with the ginger that you tend to add and the grating of that ginger especially when you're making a big pot and you're great and ginger for you know, i've suffered for this drink i'm telling you now i've got skin in the game um but essentially all of that is left for i'd say overnight 10 15 hours um, and then you strain off all the little um kind of leaves that are now like limp and flavourless because you've extracted all the flavour. They go in the bin with all the kind of ginger that you might have grated that again all the flavours come out of that. You strain it off and then you flavour it and season it with cinnamon and ginger spice and all that kind of cloves and that kind of thing to give it a more not a more Christmassy flavour, but it's a Christmassy drink, so that's the kind of seasonings and flavourings it has, sometimes I've seen nutmeg in it, um, cloves, um, that kind of thing, and then, to finish it off, you give it a big tipple, or chug, of white rum, Ray and Nephew, if you're Jamaican, I've never seen, mm, I have, I don't like to see, any other alcohol use, but also I've seen a lot of recipes that use a red, some kind of red wine um, as well, or another kind of alcoholic drink, or you don't actually have to put alcohol in it, I think that's just where Jamaicans come in, um, because I know that looking at some of the recipes from some of the countries in Africa that make it, they actually have it as a nice, refreshing daytime drink. Whereas in Jamaica and in the wider Caribbean, um, it's it's tend to be, it's a party drink. And, you know, you can vary the amount of rum you put in it. You can put in a little tipple, can give you a little buzz, or you can really dump a load in there and, you know, now the drink has a whole new meaning. Um, but either way, it is typically enjoyed at Christmas time because of the fact that historically the plant would um blossom in time for christmas and for that process to um occur and only at christmas time so it wasn't a drink you could have all year round however with you know modern technologies and being able to now dry the drink and dry the um leaves should i say and the capsules you can now obviously have that at any time of the year and now it's being exported out to britain america everywhere else that's something you can make um and enjoy all through the year um My family, we have it at Easter as well, or just generally, like, if we're feeling like a pick-me-up. Sorrel is that drink, really. Now, I will say, if you drink this drink in England, or you've heard of it, um, I'd say it was brought to England primarily through the migration of... Caribbean people um, in the Windrush era and that generation of people Um, and you know that's when you started to see more uh, Afro-Caribbean food shops where you could actually purchase this dried and have your sorrel at Christmas even though you hadn't been to Jamaica and potentially brought back um, sorrel from home. Now interestingly, um, Sorrel in America kind of arrives a little bit earlier um, because, as I mentioned before, it was tradition that you could only really get it at Christmas time because that was when the plant was available. But in America, the story is a little bit different and it's actually archivally recorded or a kind of version of this drink not necessarily the sorrel we you know might enjoy in the caribbean but a drink red drink made of this rosal hibiscus has been around um and crossed over during again the atlantic slave trade just like um pepper pot now um the the historian i mentioned the food historian adrian miller again i, I want to be a food historian this is cool um he says that um you know, whilst looking through historical records, including narratives from formerly enslaved African-Americans and periodicals, obviously old ones uh, from the time, um, collected during the 1930s, um, he discovered a lot of references to red drinks being served as part of celebrations on US plantations during slavery and then after emancipation, which would make sense because, um, you know, assuming that the hibiscus roselle flower would grow in... um, whatever part of America they're speaking about. Um, you know, all you would then need is water and to boil it out um, and you know season it with whatever you have and and the majority of the seasonings are used. Um, are things like ginger, things like cloves, things like cinnamon, which, you know, I don't know necessarily um, how far enslaved people would have had access to those things, but they definitely had access um, sometimes to small plots of land where they could kind of grow their own things to be a little bit self-sufficient. So it's very interesting that then that drink makes it to celebrations during, you know, slavery and then in the emancipation period. Now, as I've said, in the Caribbean, it becomes a Christmas tradition because it's available. Um, And then it kind of circles back to America um, as a different version of the red drink we saw during slavery, because in around the 1930s, when you see large numbers of Caribbean um, people moving and migrating to America, uh, yes, they went to America before they came to Britain, because, um, to be fair, the reason that... Caribbean people stopped migrating to America in such large numbers was because of the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952, also known as the McCarran-Walter Act, which essentially starts to really put big limitations on immigration and who can move to America in a much similar way to the laws that were being passed in Britain in the 60s and 70s. Um, You know, America also had similar things happening but this was happening in 1952 Um, and so then um, people that are in the Caribbean and wanting to migrate and I would say migration is a heavy 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 feature of Caribbean history in migrating into the Caribbean and migrating out Um, you know the numbers are always big. Caribbeans then started moving to Britain in larger numbers um, and in increasing amounts because it became a lot harder to migrate to America and America geographically is closer to Britain to the Caribbean sorry Um, and you know people from the Caribbean were just seeking opportunities for better work and a better lifestyle um, in some parts and so that migration made a little bit more sense in Britain um, until obviously the Nationality Act of 1948 where People born in British colonies were eligible for British citizenship, and the rights of that were the free movement of people. And so that's a whole nother topic for another day. And you know, I think I've done enough podcasts on immigration on this channel show before. Um, so you know, if you want to learn more about that, then please feel free to go back. Um, maybe like five or seven episodes ago, I think I did um, immigration acts. Okay, so back to Sorrell. Now, um, Adrian Miller, the historian in question, he was actually making reference to um, newspaper articles um, and references within those In New York specifically of sorrel being sold on the street during Christmas time for newly arrived Caribbean people um, Because you know, that was kind of something that reminded them of home I'm sure it's pretty easy to sell drinks on the street more so than food Although we had a reference of people selling pepper pot soup in Philadelphia um, in you know, the early earlier days than it was kind of popularized as a Christmas food um, in the Caribbean so It's very interesting, I think, that this drink makes its way in different forms all around the world, especially America. I think sometimes we forget how interlinked as black people we are, Um, you know, from African Americans who, whilst the culture might be different to people that are, like, black British, say, and people in Africa that still live there now and haven't migrated anywhere and people in the Caribbean, we might all see ourselves as, like, very different, but I don't know our food and our traditions they are there are so many similarities I mean we're drinking the same drink um for the same reason and I think sometimes I find it very interesting anyway that this idea that we were all just a different stop on the slave ship as you know morose as that sounds you know that when enslaved Africans were taken from West Africa and you might have gotten dropped off in a Caribbean colony or you might have gotten dropped off in America or you might have gone to Britain um in very small numbers but there were you know enslaved people in Britain or you might have been taken as an enslaved person in Africa um so yeah we were all essentially just a different stop on the ship and I really do like to find the similarities. Um, in culture, in food, in traditions, Um, and I think sorrel is another good example of that. Now, I also want to talk about the health benefits. I know that Jamaicans just, like, add loads of rum and wine in, so health benefits out the window. However, for those cultures that keep it pure, they don't go and ruin it with alcohol. I'm going to tell you some of the health benefits of this um, sorrel hibiscus, um, sorry, the Hib- Roselle hibiscus plant, um, and what that can do for you if you maybe you drink it as a tea or, you know, you just drink it with some ginger and don't completely lose all the, the health from the rare nephew that you then add. So I won't go through every single one, but essentially it has anti-inflammatory and antibacterial properties. It can aid appetite. It can act as a natural diuretic Um, It has similar benefits um, as drinks that contain antioxidants. Um, It's a tonic and it can help aid digestion and urinary tract health as well as kidney functioning. It promotes cardiovascular health, apparently, strengthens the immune system, increases energy levels, helps reduce bad cholesterol and increases good cholesterol, reduces high blood pressure. Um, And it can also do some other things that are listed that, I I'm just not sure about and there's some big claims in there and I'm not going to read them and I just want to give a disclaimer that all the ones I've read already I do not have the scientific evidence behind me the backing the references um you know so these are things that are said about this plant but you know you'll have to read into a study or some kind of scientific research to prove this or disprove this and um, please do not take this word for gospel but just thought it was interesting I mean it is a plant essentially it's going to have some health benefits um, or have some impact um, I'm sure but some of the claims that have been made are very large um, and some just seem a bit ridiculous, um, but also very interesting. My nan always used to say that it's good. sorrel is good for you. You know, you have you have to have some, even though it was it had alcohol in it. She said it was good for you, so there must be some health benefits. Um, and I think they're being passed down orally um, from from the generations above that this drink is good for you, and it will put the hairs on your chest. That's another one I've heard, but that could be the ray as well. I'm not too sure. Anyway, as we wrap up this episode um, and. People, I hope you're, you know, if you celebrate Christmas, you're thinking about Christmas and hopefully it's going to be a good time uh, for you and your families. I know that some people might be isolating, um, not able to see their families, but, you know, I hope you can kind of uphold your traditions in any way possible, because I think these are the things that keep us close, even when we are quite far apart. Um, I think the act of of making Sorrel, in my family anyway, um, is part of the tradition in itself even if, you know, we don't even drink most of it because, you know, you make so many bottles and then next thing you know, it's all gone to someone this person and that person that couldn't get any this year and now they've got some but yeah the act of everyone being around at christmas and cooking this big pot of sorrel and you make it quite early on i would say like early december because um, it needs a little bit of time to sit and for the alcohol to really infuse but it means probably maybe the start of december you're putting up your christmas tree the sorrels cooking in the background the whole house smells of like herbs and flowers and like just everything nice that you can think of um yeah it's just a good time i think christmas is one of those times i know that it can be a really horrible time for some people um based on like you know loss and and grief and things like that but you know whatever kind of christmas you're having this year i hope it's a peaceful one for you and a somewhat restful one um and i hope in in whatever way virtually or physically you can and see your loved ones uh, and you know look forward to to the new year which hopefully will bring better than we've had this year although i don't know how helpful i am about that but regardless i'll be having some sorrel so it will be okay thank you so much for listening everyone um this is the last episode before christmas so enjoy it um, have a great Christmas, and I will be back. I w- it won't be the new year, I think it's the 27th, the next episode of December. Um, so that will arrive, um, and then the next episodes will be 2022. So have a good time, have a happy new year when it comes. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The History Hotline. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend to tell a friend. To continue the conversation about Black history, head over to our social media platforms at The History Hotline on Instagram and at The History HL on Twitter.